Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode with Brandon from the bands Mace Ballard and Swiss Army. If you're one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. Hell yeah. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Now today on the show, we got my new friend David from the band Pet Clinic. And for those of you that don't know David or his band, you should get pretty fucking familiar with Pet Clinic because they are good. And... I feel like a schmuck because I have known about Pet Clinic being a band for a few number of years now, but for whatever reason, I had just never seen them perform, I had never heard any of their music, and I didn't get a chance to really check it out until just before I did this interview with David because I had a bunch of friends telling me, you gotta get them on, Pet Clinic's sick, I'd been hearing Pet Clinic was a good band for ever and you know it just flew under my fucking radar and then i finally listened to him and i was like jesus christ this band's awesome and then to make things even funnier fucking david from pet clinic who i'm about to talk to lives right down the damn street from me we're like practically neighbors and i didn't even know that and it's just like this weird uh i talk a lot about how pittsburgh is a lot bigger than people make it seem and that there's a lot of people doing a lot of things, and it's not a small city. But uh, this was definitely a fucking moment that made me feel like, oh, maybe it is a little bit smaller than I realize. But anyways, uh, yeah, David's on the show today. They just put out a new album that's really good, and there's links to all that stuff in the description. Check it out, and... Yeah, I'm not going to talk too much more about that. That's what the conversation is for. We'll let David talk about himself, and we'll figure it out from there. Okay? Sound good? Sounds great to me. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat! And I will start this conversation by saying that I've been aware of Pet Clinic for a number of years, mainly because you had records at Soundcat. Oh yeah, and I remember like you know seeing seeing like going through the local section and always curious about what other Pittsburgh artists were putting stuff out on LP, and seeing the name in admittedly just you know never listening to it it's one of those things where you know it's my understanding that your band has been pretty active in the local scene for the past number of years and i've been active in the scene for a number of years but our paths have never crossed until now yeah until now (laughs) a lot of people say that 
the Pittsburgh scene is like it's too small or there's not enough going on. But I always kind of claim bullshit to that just because of situations like this. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of criticism, but it's just based on personal experience, sort of like how people's realities are based in their fears. You know, you'll, (laughs) you'll you'll make it true if you want it. Sure. You know, you. I'm from a town about 45 to minutes to an hour north where, you know, it was called Mars and it was like. I know Mars. You do? Yeah. Where are you from? Oh, I'm from, I grew up in Wilkinsburg. Oh, nice. But actually my best friend in high school, for whatever reason, dated a girl that lived in Mars. Oh, awesome. So, or somewhere, she worked in Mars. I don't know if she lived in Mars, but uh, that we're sidetracking. Anyways, yeah, well, you yeah. grew up in Mars. Yeah. And, you know, you could say, you know. Oh, well, this is way too small. But there's a point in time when you should be at that spot, you know, where when we were or when I was 14, you know, living in that area and playing at the church and, you know, whatever halls you could get into. So you were playing when you were that young? Yeah, my brother's eight years older than me, and he got into a really bad car accident. He uh, ran a Volkswagen into a telephone pole at like 40 miles an hour. Fuck. So he like. Had to have his jaw wired shut, shattered his pelvis, his femur, and uh, he moved back home. So he kind of taught me how to play guitar, and then I got a fake ID, and we started playing shows in Pittsburgh. And I remember that's awesome playing at Club Cafe when I think I was like at the end of fourteen years old. Really? And I thought like we made it. <laughs> how did they let that slide? I mean, like you're you have a pretty hairy face and stuff now. Were you like a early mature? person like did you just look older when you were younger it was it was i mean i yeah i mean between my brother and i like i said he's eight years older than me and so i was sort of like older than i looked and then he was younger than he looked okay you know what i mean i mean i don't really know how we got away with it i got (laughs) i had a couple fake ids and we knew a couple people and we just tried and tried and tried and it was really hard but eventually we made it work and we knew like where to go when to go there and all that kind of stuff. I was. This just made me think about a story from uh, Abby, who is one of the DJs on the X. Oh yeah, and plays in Fist Fight in the Parking Lot. Oh cool. Um, I was talking with her on the show before, um, when she was on, and she was telling about how when she was before she was twenty one, how she had fake IDs mm-hmm. playing. She played at the same clubs all the time, and the band that she was in. And then whenever she turned twenty one. You know, she had a legit ID, and then, like, all the people in those clubs, like, realized that, you know, she had been underage for all those years, and how, like, some people were kind of mad at her, and some people thought it was funny. I think that story's great, though. Yeah. She's great. We, we actually just met her, because we did that Edge of the X thing, or Takeover, I'm sorry. Like, okay. Yeah. How'd that go? It was, it was, uh, it was something we've been trying to get involved with, and then when we released our new record, No Face, uh, we got a hookup and got a chance to get in there. And it was right after we had gone on tour for about a month, so she was like such sweetheart. Cool, cool. Yeah. The album's great. I listened to it Thanks, today, man. actually. Thanks, cool. I was like, I had uh, been meaning to check it out, and I was like, I need to fucking just listen to this <laughs> today. That's so I listened to the whole thing. It worked today, and it's awesome. Oh, uh, cool. Thanks. And so this was a self-recorded project then? Yeah, we recorded it right here in Troy Hill in our house, and uh, we spent a long time getting the gear and practicing recording so uh the last lp the one that i saw at soundcat that was not self-produced correct yeah we recorded it at the machine age uh by the bloomfield bridge okay 
with uh, Jason Kirker from Muddy Lemon and um, Joe Bartolotta. So what we made then you, took it to Jay Canner and he mixed it. What made you want to self-produce? I think, for one thing, the guys in the band, uh, not me, they just have a good knowledge of recording. Uh, our bass player, Ian, went to school for, in Amsterdam at the conservatory for jazz guitar. And he actually had started recording there. He had started a recording studio there for a couple years. And uh, he actually, just by chance, had recorded George Clinton on a session. And his studio didn't end up working out. You know, it's really hard to run a studio. So he moved back home. And, um, you know, we, it was that point that he had joined the Pet Clinic. We had gone through a, couple, through a couple other bass players. But he joined the band. And, you know, between him and our drummer, Kenny, and our keyboard player, John, you know, they just had this big enthusiasm and we ended up getting different pieces of consoles and, you know, didn't, I didn't remember one time Ian didn't buy tires because he wanted to get these nice Coles microphones. And <laughs> That's awesome. Just a lot, of, a lot of time and a lot of sacrifice. It was like four years of us working on recording in our house. Sure. You know, I mean, there's so much involved with it. And that was also along with uh, doing a successful Kickstarter campaign. We raised, I think, somewhere around $5,500 which I'm really grateful for. Um, but between all that, you know, we were able to do it. But it was the hardest thing we've ever done and a lot of pros and cons. Mm -hmm. You all live together in the same house? We did for a long time. Okay. Yeah. And uh, at this point, um, I got married two years ago. I live across the street. Oh, okay. So you're like all... Like in, in the, the same the, area. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, what I'm kind of curious about is how self-recording and having that uh, having the option and all those resources at your fingertips, how did that affect the songwriting for Pet Clinic? Good question. I mean, <clears throat> just after being on tour for a month, I'm finally being able, to, I'm finally able, you know, to realize what our songs are or like what our strengths and weaknesses are as a band mm -hmm. and how we write songs. Kind of like what's our crutch, what's our, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, in the recording process, you know, we didn't sit down one day with a finalized album and say, okay, now let's record. We had recorded through a period of about three to four years with gear that we had been building and accumulating. Mm -hmm. So after a certain point, you know, we'd look at something we'd recorded a while ago and then say, all right, that's great. But honestly, the tempo needs to change by a couple beats to really get the movement yeah. down and all that kind of stuff. So that really had a big part of writing the material that ended up on the record um other than that like it enabled us to really focus in on you know making sure that the drums were recorded live with at least a guitar and bass which was really nice because that was a problem with our first record we had just recorded uh like to a click track or something or uh not so much to a click track but like two members and then the we're a five-piece band, so when another person would come in and then another person would come in and another person would come in, it just sounded like layered. And it would be all, you know, multi-tracked and, I mean, it okay, just wasn't so you track across. stuff. So you track the majority of the music live then on the, the LP we, that I heard today? We tried as much as we could. Like, for example, there was uh, two songs that we recorded basically live to a Tascam quarter-inch tape machine. And the energy just really comes across there. Sure. So 
that was that was the main thing we were really thinking about when we decided to do it on our own. It was just like, okay, let's do this, but let's make sure our energy is our number one priority mm-hmm. after, you know, everything else. Yeah, it can be really hard to capture the energy of, you know, a live performance whenever you have to multi-track everything. But with some genres of music, you just you have to multi-track or else it sounds like shit. That's like one of the things that me and everybody else in Greywalker really struggles with with our recordings because, you know, we're a, like loosely a death metal band, extreme metal. And you can't like just set up a bunch of microphones in a room and track it live. You, you got to get like the tightest, cleanest sound possible to get it across. Mm-hmm. But to do that and not have it sound too polished, it's like you're walking a really fine line because you don't yeah. want it to sound like computer music. You still want it to sound like people in a room playing. Yeah. But and I mean, it depends. Some people want that the computer sound. Yeah, oh, like totally. Some people, you know, so. It's just a, like for you, like you just said, you know, that's not your priority. You want it to be a real thing. It's almost yeah. like, how is this happening? You know, mm-hmm. and you know that's the magic the, I, in my mind. The last album that we recorded, you know, we tracked things individually, but, you know, we didn't use any drum triggers or uh, direct in guitar lines. Everything was like mic'd cabs, live mics on the drums. So we like got, you know, the, the raw sound we could. And there was a few people that, you know, said that it sounded like underproduced or even like borderline cheap because so many people that are listening to extreme music nowadays are so used to modern production. Which straight up is samples on the drums. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It's pretty ugh, gross. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It's like one of these things, like, am I just being old? You know, like, Mm -hmm. it's like... This is like these this is what the stuff that I listened to when I was in high school, you know, there wasn't it wasn't all sound replaced and fake, you know. Mm-hmm. It didn't didn't sound perfect. It just mm-hmm. sounded good. Mm-hmm. But now all them whippersnappers want to hear the the computer drums. Yeah, I so, mean, I'm, I'm kind of curious about this this topic in general myself. I've kind of been thinking about it playing with the idea of just putting out a a bunch of material. I mean, we're not signed. We're we're not even independent. We just are what we are. It's like we're trying our best and you know, why should we make like this nice LP thing? Why should we pretend like we're going to this, you know, Blackbird Studios in Nashville and like <laughs> this like beautiful room with like CNC drums and all this great stuff? Like, what would stop us from putting out the like the first take of the song when it was written? It doesn't even have like that for you know choruses that keep hitting you in the face or like some extravagant intro like i don't know they you know the artists i look up to they at least on those big studio records they try to go out of their way to say like okay here's a a song that was like a home recording or something like that you mm-hmm. know and i think that being in 2016 you know and looking around what everyone else is doing though it can be so uh mind-numbing and like taking away from who you are and what you're doing it it is interesting because i think people are more attracted to this like loose thing people are more attracted to you doing what you want to do and you being you you know and if that comes across in the record then that's what it's all about you know yeah. we do get lost in you know when i say we i mean 
you and I and, and a lot of people, it's just we get lost in this whole thing where we're like, okay, now we have the song. How are we going to record it? When it was the first time that we played it was the best time it ever happened. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that that that's kind of another thing that I was going to get into talking about uh, the pros and cons of self-recording where if when you have that access at your fingertips it's start it's really easy to not let something be finished Mm -hmm. sometimes you know Mm -hmm. like you had mentioned like oh i think that song needs to be five bpms faster Mm -hmm. that might be true it takes a lot of work maybe not that but you know that's the thing is like there's kind of this thing that i miss where which is kind of what's cool about the metal band because we don't self-produce we we're gonna go to somebody else and do that is like okay the song has to be good enough for us to record it we're gonna go in and track it and that's gonna be it you know we don't have time to sit around and fuck with it for the next two months Mm -hmm. over and over again whereas if i'm recording something for my solo stuff you know i can you know doll over like a lyric take being bad and just do a verse over and over and over again and also if you're the only person in the room and you're recording yourself. You don't have somebody else to say like, no, you need to do this. Try this. You don't have those suggestions. You kind of need to have that outside person sometimes. And even like in our situation, we did the same thing where I was doing the vocals in our house with the other bandmates, you know, and it was like, there was always a problem with it. There was always a problem with it. And, you know, it's a physical to know to saying it's a physical thing. So Mm -hmm. it got to a point, you know, after six months of trying it, I was like, all right, (laughs) this is i'm not gonna please anybody you know and it's impossible to do this like physically and i mean i i've sang private lessons of vocals for like opera and stuff so it's i think that i'm capable but to do that like dream take yeah the way someone else wants when you're sitting there in front of a microphone and a computer for like months yeah it's mind-numbing so like having a chance to work with somebody else who wasn't in our band like working with jake hanner in Gibsonia, <clears throat> you know, we took the record over there and he mixed everything. He's really great, really fast, knows what he's doing. And we would do vocal takes and we would do vocal takes, you know, I'd basically buy a case of beer, go over there and we'd just work, you know, until like 1 or 2 a.m. Yeah. And I'd show up and he'd be like having some crazy, like, life-size Santa face, like, glowing. And, like, he'd hand me, like, a nursery rhyme book, and he'd be like, okay, pretend like you're reading to your nephew, you know. And he'd be like, okay, now do that with your lyrics on this song. You know, like, having somebody else be excited was really... That's cool. That sounds super neat. Yeah. Because that's really rare. Yeah. To have someone who's so, you know, right next to you. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, if you're going to work with anybody outside of your band, because I'm 100% for self-production with all bands i think all bands need to be self-sufficient as much as possible um but in the events that you do have to work with somebody on the outside you need to find somebody that really gives a shit and And it's so much to a point where they care about what like you are first to them yeah it's so hard to be that guy yeah like i want somebody that i want to work with people that will like nitpick my shit to a point that i get annoyed yeah Because it's like, you know, in that moment, I'm like, God damn it. But it's like, well, you know what? They care. It's an outside ear. And, you know, maybe they're right. They're not always right. But having that opinion is so valuable. At least it makes you aware of, like, a different perspective. Uh Uh-huh. You know, you get – it's so easy to get lost in your art or think that it's it's great. 
You know, it's like having an ugly baby and not wanting to accept the fact that you have an ugly kid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, but it's, it's my kid. It's beautiful. Yeah. You need somebody to be like, eh, you know, your kid's not that special. It's kind <laughs> well, of Especially ugly. when your kid is something that you're presenting to the world. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're trying to put it in a, a beauty pageant right. of sorts. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so going back a few footsteps to what I was talking about, bands being self-sufficient. Now, you you know, released two LPs on your own at this point now. And I'm sure you probably handle your own like merchandising and all that kind of stuff. You're really all in house, right? Mm-hmm. How do you um, like handling the more business aspects of the music? Are you the person that handles this or is there somebody else in the band or is it kind of a collective with when it comes to business? I handle, Oh, I would say I handle 99.9% of everything. Mm-hmm. Or maybe ninety nine percent. I, I, you know, <clears throat> I consult with the rest of the band, sure, on decisions and spending money and all that. But yeah, how do I like it? Well, I think if since we're not in this position where we're 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 you know self economically secure, it can be it can be scary it can be self-defeating you know there's a lot of faith there's a lot of like what am what am i going to do after i spend this two hundred dollars on this thing what am i going to do after i spend this twelve hundred dollars on this thing you know because there's everything costs money Mm -hmm. whether or not it's touring if there's a booking agent if you did it yourself if you're driving if you're you know making merchandise if you're making merchandise in your basement if you're hiring uh you know, uh, mixing engineer studio. And that's why we did the Kickstarter, you know, getting a chance to have some funds where we could be secure. So we could say, okay, now we know we can do this in our home. Now we know we can get it mixed professionally. Now we know we can get it onto a vinyl yeah. medium. Now we know we can get it on CD. Now we know we can go on tour. Now we can, now we can charge through, you know, after it, it, it does feel good because honestly, I, I love being able to be in charge of uh, or to be responsible and like do it. it I don't know. It's very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. But it is, like I said, it takes a lot of faith to sit there and say, we're going to do this, you know, and for everybody to be like, oh, okay. How was it in the beginning, you know, because for you, I would imagine, you know, you've been playing music, you know, since you said you were a young kid. And did you have any other bands prior to Pet Clinic that you were kind of in charge of? No, no. No? So no. this is kind of like the first big one? Yeah. So, uh, you know, you record that first album and like you're going through all this stuff and like you you want to get this album manufactured or right. your t-shirts for the first time. Um, did you have kind of a good grasp on what you needed to do to, do to make that stuff happen or was this all just kind of flying by the seat of your pants just learning I mean, as you go i mean i, I don't say at, at any looking back at any point in time i had all the stuff figured out I mean, <laughs> retrospectively it worked out it worked out in some form or another whether or not we took hits or made mistakes but uh i don't know it's kind of hard to answer that question other than that i mean you just have to move forward you know at the sure. end of the day like what like okay you get home from work what are you going to do for the rest of your day are you going to sit on your couch and watch Stranger Things or are you going to play with your dog or talk to your girlfriend or are you going to, you know, pick up your guitar, send an email, you know, 
talk to some people who are playing in other bands, like doing what we're doing right now. Like, yeah. And once you get started, that's just it. With just getting started, and that's all you got to do. And the mm-hmm. rest take. Yeah, keep with care. it too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess like for Keeping me, that momentum going support. Yeah. So was it? I guess it, it's, I guess it was something that you were probably pretty excited to do then. Once you got into it, because there's that kind of that breaking point with a lot of bands, you know, whenever yeah. you get together and you write some songs, yeah. you get some songs. and Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Now mm-hmm. we have a band. Mm-hmm. And then you get your little social media stuff set mm-hmm. up and mm-hmm. then you maybe play a couple shows and mm-hmm. it's good. Mm-hmm. But then after that, it gets to that point where like, oh, we're going to record an album, you know, and now we got to everybody got to pitch in a little bit of money, this and that where things start to. Mm-hmm. get wobbly mm-hmm. you know a lot of people aren't really into that mm-hmm. but i'm guessing like maybe you were just kind of excited to go with it or you just weren't really worried about the risks of that or you just like yeah i mean i think i made this i made a decision out of high school i remember all the girls that i dated around that time they were like well i can't date you because you know uh <laughs> you know you're not gonna go to college and like mom says you gotta go to college Is this in mars know? yeah you know yeah. all just all that kind of stuff and I just made a realization after I gone to community college for a semester. I, I was like, okay, like, yellow. I mean, I'm only gonna do this once. And I mean, whether you like it or not, like youth sells, and I got one shot to do this, so let's do it. Let's just, you know, saying that to myself, like, I'm, I'm not gonna do community college. I'm gonna work a job where I can tour. I'm gonna work a job where I can call off. I, I'm gonna do all, everything that it takes. Man, I don't know. You're asking me such great questions that I'm getting a little bit sidetracked here and there. But That's cool. You know, I think that at least I'm just trying to make the point that there was a jumping off point for me where I just decided, oh, you know what it was? Okay. Right down the street here, uh, right next door, uh, my brother and I and a couple other guys lived in that house. And so did Cindy Howes from WYP. Okay. And... She took me out to breakfast one day or we went out and she she told me about the statistic or whatever her college friend did that, you know, was about whether or not someone had a backup plan if they would be successful in their dreams. And it was like a ridiculous percentage. I'm not going to say numbers, but it was a ridiculous percentage of people who had backup plans and dreams that they didn't have a follow through with their dreams. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like that time that I talked to her that I realized like, I'm just going to do this. You know, and I'm just going to let the chips fall where they may, you know. Yeah. So that was sort of like when you go heads 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 deep like that, it kind of puts you in a situation where you're like, okay, do or die, you know. And I think that was if, – if I can ever get that mentality back, you know, meaning, you know, some days you don't have it, some days you totally. do. Uh, the times that you can really capitalize on that and work from that for like a three-month period at least – is the times that I've just felt like invincible, you know, we're going to write the best songs, we're going to go on tour, I'm going to do this, we're going to do whatever it takes. And that's when it, the results really pop up. And you're, I just think to myself, like, man, I got to have that mindset all the time. It's, I think it's almost impossible to have that mindset all the time. It is. You know, there's too much outside stuff that creeps in to anyone, any normal person's life, you know, because you can't, like, be in it 100%. You know, especially if uh, you're still trying to support yourself financially and right. 
work <clears throat> and have a job and have some sort of a social life outside of music. Right. You know, and all that stuff. Yeah. Leaks into the creativity. Sometimes it, it fuels the creativity. And it's good to have it. You yeah. know, you can't make good art without life experiences. Mm-hmm. Whether those be positive or negative experiences, you can get good art out of both. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I get in some pretty foul fucking moods, for yeah. sure. And, you know, and then I kind of just have to realize, like, I'm in a bad mood about, like, music or something that's really not that important, you know? Like, there's a lot of awful things happening in the world, and my problems are, you know the smallest pebble but sometimes like those really tiny problems can just seem so huge to you just trying my best to keep myself in like a reality check and not let myself get too stressed out over dumb shit yeah it's easy for it to happen but trying yeah i don't know you know i don't uh i don't know you know i have a i don't have a lot of uh ways of dealing with issues other than just kind of like uh dealing with it you know I have a lot of what does that mean you like i'm thinking about like <laughs> i'm thinking about like friends that like you know are like oh like you know like try smoking a joint sometime or something like that you know and like that that's i'm like no <laughs> some people were into that stuff and yeah. it's like you know i'd never got into the whole drug thing you know i mean fuck i didn't even like drink at all and for like the first 22 years of my life pretty much wow. you know i just wasn't into it you know mm-hmm. um wasn't my thing but then it became a thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know where you're at with all that. How do you handle a stressful situation? I remember I was shocked. This we, we, we went to Cincinnati and we played at the Bunbury Music Festival, which is a total honor, you know, considering our 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 placement, considering, you know, we were playing with Jane's Addiction and Weezer and Ra Ra Rai, all these cool bands. But, like, that's that was a really big deal for us. We drove there in a van that, you know, my, my parents bought. It was... We were like a lot younger than we are now, and I, you know, had this nice '70s Fender Twin reverb that I still play. It's like one of my prized possessions, and it's sitting outside the van with all of our other gear. And some reason, somehow, some whatever, it was in some mud or whatever, some dry mud, you know, dirt, and it fell over, and it was like a, it was just like a coffin closing kind of sound, you know. And I looked back and our guitar player, Mike, looked at me and he was like, dude, I'm so sorry. And I just, I looked at him and then I just looked back at like the, the woman I was talking to, like about parking and like he ignored me for like pretty much the rest of the day. And I was like, Hey dude, I'm not mad. Like, it's cool. And he was like, okay, sure. But I was like, no, seriously, you know, you, you knock my app over and such is life. I mean... I think that starting off your day and your days and your months and your years, but like that morning time when you wake up, not that I do this, but I at least am aware, like if I can remember that everything is going to work out no matter what, then I don't need to worry if Mike knocks my amp over and it breaks my tubes. <laughs> you know, like I'll figure it out. I'll get some new tubes. I'll borrow some tubes. I'll get use a different amp. Mm-hmm. It's going to work out. We're here. We made it. You know? Totally. We're living. Like, why would I let somebody... Why would I put myself so deep into a situation where I would let somebody else take something away from me? And that 
destroy me. If I'm letting somebody else control me to that level, then I'm really not living to the potential that I have, you know. So I th- I'm proud of that mindset that I have, and I don't always have it. <laughs> I'm just saying, here was one time I did. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, I, I think that that's like, if you can if you can just like let the downtimes be the fuel, as, you know, Gary V talks about, you know, just let just let it ride. You know, what would happen if we flipped the van on tour and all the amps broke and, you know, nobody got hurt, you know, but let's just try to figure out if we can get to the next show. Yeah, we you were, know? fuck. I Did was, you do that? Huh? Did you do that? I've never no, done it, so no, I'm talking we, we out of my butt. We, we haven't flipped the van, but uh, we, I was out with Bethlehem and... They're a Pittsburgh band, right? Yeah, yeah. And we were driving from Tennessee to Baltimore, maybe. How far is that? Uh, it was a few. Uh, it was a few hours. It was. It was. It was one of our longer trips, maybe four or five hours. I don't remember. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, not twelve hours. What am I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I could have the places wrong, and actually, the places are completely irrelevant. Sure. But uh, we um, we're sta- we're at the hotel. I think it was the hotel in Tennessee or whatever. And uh, one guy that's with us notices that, like, the ball bearing on our trailer has, like, completely busted out. It could rot it out and bust it out, you know? And, like, we're like, fuck, what are we going to do? Look it up. There's a trailer, repla- a trailer repair place a mile down the road from nice. where we're staying. Tight. Mm-hmm. Awesome. You know? So we go and we take it. And they fix it. They're like, hey, do you want us to do the other one? The other one looks fine. We're like, nah, don't worry about it. Dun, you know? dun, dun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, uh, like a day or two later, that second one breaks. But this time, it's while we're on the road. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, you know, it's like, what, what, the, what the fuck are we going to do? You know, we want to get to this show. And uh, we're at this point now where it's like, okay, we're going to have to have a tow truck come and tow the trailer to the nearest place. So we're like calling the bands at the venue like, hey, what gear can we use? We're pulling out like the littlest bit of merch that we can to like stuff it into the van and like just trying to like pull everything out of the trailer that we absolutely need to get it into the van. So, you know, so we could still get to this gig. And uh, It's like a quest. Yeah. And it was uh, with for Deathlehem that's disturbingly appropriate since they're like uh, like they do like basically Dungeons and Dragons RPG themed yeah. metal stuff. <laughs> uh but yeah, so we're like going through all this shit and just like it wasn't even a matter of like what are we gonna do? Like that wasn't even like a question for longer than a minute. It was just like, okay, this is this is it. This is what we gotta do. You gotta live. But what ended up happening was we actually found like a a guy that was on call and was willing to drive out to us and fix it on the spot. Wow. But we had to pay him like double the normal price. How much was that? It was like three hundred bucks probably. Jeez. Yeah. Um but you know, it got fixed in the long run, and then we didn't have to put everything. We'd like basically move everything from the van back into the trailer. We were able to drive the trailer to Baltimore. We got to the show a little late, but we got there, and it was just kind of, again, one of those moments where something awful potentially happens. And you but set up and played. Yeah. 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 And I just, it all worked out. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, 
in situations like that, it's really important to be resourceful Mm -hmm. and use your brain and not freak out Mm -hmm. because that's not going to help anything at all. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes like the simplest fucking thing happens and I freak out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to be stable. It's so hard, you know, ups and downs and also like blood sugar and how much sleep you got, especially when you're on the road. Mm -hmm. I, well, we, we drove on our tour. We drove from here to Denver. Wow. It was like a, 26 hour ride Mm -hmm. we drove straight and we camped in the rocky mountains and then we played in denver that next day and the guys who were playing with us the very first openers they were talking about how their van they had to stop every like four hours and like refix this one thing our drummer is a gung-ho kind of guy and he's like Man, I don't you wish our van had some problem like that? <laughs> I was like, not really. <laughs> uh, was that like the longest drive you've ever done? Probably. Uh, yeah, that was really. I mean, I didn't do it myself, of course. There's, you know, we took turns, and we have a loft in the back of the van we slept in. Mm-hmm. That was pretty fun, though. I mean, you know, once you're there, you're like, wow. Yeah, we we did we did. Uh, Orlando back to Pittsburgh in one shot once. So how far is that? That was like 22 hours. Wow. Yeah. Because that's on the tip, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little – it's down a little further. It's, it's like more so in the long. middle. Yeah, I hate Florida. <laughs> I hate it. My roommate's moving to Florida. Uh, uh, whatever, first of all, you're like, yeah, Florida's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it's, you, any place that makes the individual happy is cool. Oh, yeah. You know, like, she loves it. You know, it's just, it's not my speed. Yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, she was talking about how, like, she was down there. She went, she just got back this past week. She was down there getting things finalized with the place she's moving into, hanging out with her friend down there. Her friend lives, like, right by the beach. Mm, right and it's like, you know, after work, they get to just, if you want, you can just go hang out on the beach and just relax. And, like, the concept of that, to me, just being the type of person that I am like gives me anxiety just like the thought of relaxing in general it's just not my speed you know i'm like a very much like go 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 yeah so being any type of a place that's like really like resorty or Mm -hmm. uh, touristy orlando in particular Mm -hmm. is just like i don't know it's all about relaxing and yeah that's and then like selling all this product for really expensive just like super slimy to me yeah although universal studios is dope is it? I have no problem with Universal, and I do want to go to Disney. I've never been to Disney. Yeah, I would like to go do those things. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a like world landmark, international landmark, pretty big deal. I, I had a good time on the West Coast, man. I think that's where you know a lot of people really like music. Yeah, you know it's weird to say that, but being in Pittsburgh, you know, it's like Steelers. You know, sure, it's a we're we're a sports town. You know, um. It's but changing quite a bit. It is, but, but still not a music town. <laughs> uh, you know, we're getting some good restaurants. I was talking about this yesterday, actually, with somebody, and maybe I can, you can follow what I'm saying on this. Uh, people are really into supporting local things. Mm-hmm. You know, if you it's board, if it's trendy, or you mean yeah, like like in Pittsburgh, like oh, like check out this local restaurant with local foods and blah 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 blah. But like when it comes to music, a lot of people ha- have like the complete opposite mentality. You know, it's like why would you go to Olive Garden when you could go to such and such? Mm-hmm. 
but those same people, you know, will pay a hundred bucks to go to a show at, you know, stage AE or console and then getting them to pay five or 10 bucks to go to a show at Cativo or club cafe is like pulling teeth. Well, I mean, if I, you, if I could comment on that, what, what, what you're talking about, it's really apples and oranges, you know? Sure. You know that. Yeah. Of course. But I think the thing that people are paying for at the end of the day is consistency. You know, you can pretty much bet that if someone's going out of their way to make something homegrown or local or, you know, my mom made this kimchi from a gardener backyard, that's probably going to be good. Sure, sure. And, you know, especially if you had if you had it before and and people will pay more money for just about anything if you can make it look good enough. And so that's consistently a thing. And so if the Rolling Stones tickets cost 150 bucks, I know people who will pay that very easily. I didn't go to that show. I don't have 150 bucks. Yeah. If I did, I wouldn't spend it on a concert. I don't care who's playing. That's just me, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I'd rather go to a local show, you know. But that's my point is that there's so many local bands that how are you going to guarantee that that consistency that's going to be a worthwhile show? Sure. You know. But like on the flip of that, there's so many local restaurants or local places that people are willing to try. At least give it a shot. I know it's not, but everyone's got to eat. Yeah, you know that's true. Not everybody needs to be entertained. Right now, it does surprise me how many people will go and spend a hundred bucks on a dinner for two people or more. Oh yeah, that blows me away. Uh huh. Because I'm like, dude, you're not a millionaire. What are you doing? Yeah, I'll catch myself doing that shit. Like, I'll be at a show and I want to pick up something from a band, you know, and it's like, ah, fuck, you know, it's like 10, 15 bucks. I'm going to have to stop over at the ATM. Like, I really want it. Sometimes I'll get it. Sometimes I won't. Mm-hmm. But then if I'm out to eat with my girlfriend or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, we get a bill, it's 50 bucks. It's mm-hmm. like when we're going, it's like, okay, I'm going to spend 50 bucks on food mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And in my head, it's like, I'm not even thinking twice about it. Right. But then I'll think about that when I'm right. at that show. Right. Just like, motherfucker. Yeah. You know, how yeah. much of a hypocrite are you, Brian, that, you know, you just fucking took your girl out to eat for a $50 dinner and now you're like rationalizing in your head if you want to spend 15 bucks on this shirt yeah. for this band that you think is good and you know they could use the money. Yeah, well, you're not a hypocrite because you realize it. But I mean, I think that the, the the bottom line is, is, and I've always taken this into consideration when I was dating, is that like, I know that if I want to show my, you know, date or whatever, a good time, then money is not a part of it at all. And in fact, if I'm going to go the route of spending $50 to $100 to whatever on a meal, it's going to be like a one-time thing. Sure. And I'm probably going to propose that. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, otherwise, and it's probably going to be on a gift card too. (laughs) But, you know, you know, it's so much more fun to just go down to the butcher or, you know, the, some, you know, oh, totally. garden and get the food and, and invite her over and have a bottle of wine and yeah. and show, I mean, show her, you know, show your date that you are right there and you're invested. It means so much more. Totally. You know, because yeah. otherwise, you know, you can go to Aladdin's and get a $20 dinner and eat really well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's all about just showing that you care, you yeah. know, but you realize you're. Oh, yeah. And I, I know that she doesn't listen, but I just want to. Put it out there that you know what she has paid for her fair share of meals as well, 
And as you said, there's plenty of times, you know, where we've gone and picked up food and cooked in as right. well. Kind of the gambit. Right. I just have spending money in mind because we just got back from like a little road trip uh, where yeah. we, we both spent a good bit of money. But we we're eating out a bunch and drinking a bunch and stuff. And I, just, saw you, I saw your, your uh, album, the albums that you listened to on, on the yeah. album. It's a pretty good list. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, like weird music. I like stuff that's all over the board. Yeah. What about you? What would you say is like the like maybe one or a couple bands that you're into that maybe would people wouldn't expect mm. or your your friends would be like, "Oh, really? Hmm. David listens to that?" Hmm. That's a tough one. I mean, I don't listen to a lot of music lately. I my job is like really, you know, swallowing and, you know, other than that it's like practice, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't. I don't really listen to music, man. I mean, I have to be honest with you. Like, I'm sitting here looking at your vinyl collection, and I'm like, "Damn, I can't even wrap my head around you know that many records." What do I listen to? I don't know. Especially weird stuff. Let me think about that for a minute. Maybe we can come back to that. We one can come back to that yeah. one. Um. Well, let's say this. I know you mentioned. You know, obviously, we've talked a good bit about Pet Clinic and you know your life outside of Pet Clinic a little bit. You work a job like anybody else. Blah 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 blah. But do you have any hobbies outside of being a musician? I really like dogs. Okay, I really like dogs. <laughs> okay, I love dogs. Cool. Like I, if guys get into car accidents because they're looking at girls' butts walking on the sidewalk, it's because I'm looking at your dog. You know, like yeah. I seriously love dogs and um. It's a coincidence that our band name is Pet Clinic. Swear to God, but which, uh, for the record, I do want to put this out there. I think Pet Clinic is a great band name. Oh, thanks, and I just want to comment on that because good band names are hard to come by these yeah. days. Yeah. And if you get one, I feel like you deserve like some type of a badge. <laughs> it's just a cool name, you know. Thanks, man. Yeah. Like I'm in a fucking band called Greywalker. That means nothing. I mean, it sounds good. It sounds like a metal name, right? But like. I don't know. I don't think it's the best band name in the world. It works. Uh, but I always, guess it works for what we're doing. But yeah. I think uh, I just like I think Pet Clinic's a, it's a good band name. Thanks, man. I worked at a guitar shop when I was 14, and the guy who I work for told me, if you're going to you know, have a name or something, you got to have a name that's like something that already rings a bell in someone's head. <clears throat> sure. So like everyone thinks of a Pet Clinic. That's all, they're like, oh, yeah, that's the thing I know. So that was, you know. Also, there's a sign on Route 8. That's where I got the name from. But I mean, I could tell you this. Like, I remember looking through those records at SoundCat, and there was no other reason that I would have remembered that band name other than I was like, oh, that's a cool band name. There were other records in that bin, and I can't even tell you whose records were in there. Maybe, maybe there might have been a Lady Beast, Lady Beast, Lady Beast, not Lady Beast, <laughs> like a Lady Beast 12 inch mm-hmm. in there, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm, but I don't even know if that was at the same time. I just remember seeing their record there. Oh, cool. Uh, but uh, other than that, I don't know. The only reason I remember is the name just stuck out to me. Yeah. I We also you know, had that it was our album cover. The name was our album cover. Yeah, it was very, very big. Yeah. I mean, because it was our first record and it's like, okay, nobody knows us. Let's make sure people know us. At uh-huh. least from that perspective, you know. It worked for me. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, as, as, as far as hobbies go, I can't think of anything that's like, okay, this is a hobby, like. I I don't think of things as hobbies really. I mean, it's funny to think about things that way, but I really, like I said, I love dogs. I love my dog Chucky. She I just got her like probably about almost a year ago. She's an Australian cattle dog, and I have a, my wife and I we have a Yorkie and we have a cat that's cross-eyed. 
<laughs> um, I think that unconditional love is just a beautiful thing. Uh, kind of it's like a, I don't know, not surreal, but it's like a, it's a removal from reality, you know, which is like what music is all about, kind of. Yeah. It's like that uh, distancing yourself from actually um, tasting the confusing reality that we're in. And it's like, okay, I can identify with this, you know. And if I have a a living thing, a breathing, a live thing that depends on me and it really is excited about me, then I'm like, I can I can identify with this. And that's just nice solid ground, you know. She's also pretty cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, maybe when you were growing up, were you into anything besides music or... I mean, maybe I any like bands like what was the music kind of like if you can't think of anything musically that really sticks out now yeah. there had to have been something maybe when you were younger that kind of was like whoa this is this exists like what was some of the first music that blew your uh, head open the first <clears throat> i think the first time i mean being having a, that a brother that's eight years older than me you know he i remember listening to like down by 311 and i was like <laughs> whoa like i'm used to listening to like you know, Patsy Klein and Willie Nelson, and I'm like, what is this, you know? Oh, yeah. And um, I think other than that, the, when I was first getting involved with music, Jack Johnson played such a big role just because he's playing these, like, simple blues-based kind of acoustic songs that you can learn on guitar. And he's singing these basic melodies, you know, and if, like, learning those strumming patterns and then being able to sing on top of them were really crucial and beneficial to me learning how to play the guitar because they're not too far from like Nirvana songs. No. They're really not. And um I think that first record that he put out, by the way, is really amazing. Um I think he was never able to get back to that humility or whatever on that first record. But other than that, you know, it was like <clears throat> my brother listening to the X and it was like Weezer and Red Hot Chili Peppers and all that crap. And then I was like really enticed i was i've just always been enticed by pop music though honestly like mm-hmm. okay go was like one record that i couldn't let go of for like probably five years you know and hot hot heat and all those kind of pop bands but they just don't stick you know they're so good when you're young but they just don't stick and i think having a good pop sensibility now with like my background of what i'm into is like the thing that i can do you know, it's like writing the vocal melody. Mm-hmm. You know, Jimmy Page talks about it in an interview at one point where he says that the fact that he focused in on the one thing that he could do was the reason why he was able to do everything that he did. And I think if anyone, you know, really wants to do something, it's forget the stuff that you're not good at, you know, forget sure. your weaknesses. You know, don't let that be the dictator of your success. Let that one thing you can do, like, I can play this note, like, so well. <laughs> like, good. Do it. Do that. Mm-hmm. Screw the rest. Don't let anybody else play that note better than you are. You know what I mean? Sure. And when bands do that, you know, you get into, like, this whole thing where you're, like, in subcultures of bands that are just, like, so unique, you know, that are just doing this one note thing, basically, per se. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's really what's exciting, you know? Okay, for so, but for now, like, one band that's been stuck in my head, there's a couple songs by them. They're called Whirlwind Heat. They, they just have a couple songs that are just, like, mashing into my head. And uh, they're just, like, you know, 
there's just these lines that, you know, you, you know how it is. Like when you listen to this music over and over again for 10 years or something, there'll be like four lines in one song that you just can't leave alone. Yeah. So stuff like that. Now with the future of Pet Clinic, because right now you're kind of in this like, we released an album, we did our little tour thing. Now what are you doing? Yeah. What's up? What's the plan? Well, this is like my time to do a plug, I guess, but I'm kind of <laughs> like at this interesting point where I'm kind of like sick of thinking about things that way. Okay. I've so I've so much been like, okay, now we're going to do this and my name's David and it's great to meet you and we're going to be doing this and this, you know, like I I no not to sound like an idiot, but that's just how I've kind of always thought. And, sure. And I mean I mean the bottom line is that like we're we're right down the street, we're writing we're writing songs. We have a couple songs we've been writing. Um we have a show coming up we're opening up I think we're opening up for the wigs at Cativo on the fourteenth of October. We have a Halloween show at my buddy's schoolhouse in Homestead on the twenty ninth of October. Um we have a music video that should be premiered on a website pretty soon. Can't give away too much information about that. Sure. But it's for Sick Witch. We shot a music video before we went on tour. Um, excuse me. I think that uh, we're just really excited about writing new material. You know, that's just like our main thing right now. Yeah, that's what's most important. Yeah. For sure. Can't ever drop that sword, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, I mean, there's lots of opportunities to play shows, but we just have to write new material and get get on the road. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that that's – you got to keep going. Yeah. I, I try to never get comfortable. Yeah. You know, actually, on the 18th of this month, so that was a couple of days ago, that would be – that was the year anniversary of my last LP that I put out. Oh, wow. And – um, but I'm, like, thinking about, like, what have I done since then? You know? What have I done? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I did do a split <laughs> release with another band, and I also have about like seven or eight songs that are kind of finished, just floating that I've worked on, in in the middle of like you know podcast stuff and stuff with the metal band and shit. So it's like I actually have done stuff. Yeah, you are and a busy I'm, guy. I don't doubt that for at all for, for a second. And I'm like preparing, and we're going good, but it's always still feels like. I think I'm kind of getting to this point now where a year doesn't feel like a long time anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm turning 31 this year. Mm. And, uh, you know, when I was 21, a year felt like forever. Yeah. But I think that's just natural type mm-hmm. shit. It's like I was like just looking at, uh, you know, thinking about it as the calendar was coming up to the 18th. Like, what the fuck have I done in this past year? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, actually, I've done, I've done good. <laughs> so I'm feeling – positive about, yeah. about things you know they and say just, there's, a, there's a reason why that works that way like when you're two years old a lifetime is two years old to you you know what i mean totally you know you know you've heard that before right yeah yeah so now you're 31 you're gonna be 31 and you're like that is that's all 31 years and you're like i'm about to be 32 you're thinking already uh-huh you know? so it's funny when i talk to uh younger people on the show um, like I had a, I was talking with uh, this kid that plays drums in this band, and uh, who was he? Uh, David Varlato plays in Yours. Oh yeah. Um, and he uh, they've been doing a lot of stuff lately. Yeah, yeah, they're good movers and shakers. But he's been like in a bunch of different bands. I it's actually whose episode is going up tomorrow. Sweet. 
but uh i'm really like talking with him and he's talking about how like you know like he felt like there's like one point talking about how he felt like he was in a band for so long or something like that. And it was less like two or three years <laughs> and like other people too, like yeah. other people that are in their early twenties that I talked to, I talked to a lot of them, right. but you know, it's just like, it feels like that's so long. Like in, you know, they've been a band forever, you mm-hmm. know? And it's like, how long have they been a band? It's mm-hmm. like, like they say like four or five years and right. it's like, fuck. Yeah. You know, it makes me feel a little bit older, but also is like, you know, I can't change time. Right. This is just where it is and yeah. I'm still doing this right. and I'm pretty like happy with my personal success. Would you be able to say the same? Or do you oh, think that happiness like happiness is so convoluted, man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that, you know, uh, I kind of, I never really honestly had the, the thought of like, Oh, I'm going to like put out this album. I'm going to shop it. And I'm going to get signed. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't really even like want that type of lifestyle. You know, some people are like, I want to tour nonstop. And that's not really me. Like oh, I'm really? more into, you know, touring so often. I do like that aspect of life, playing shows out of state, meeting new people. Well, that's what I like doing. But I also like just hanging out with my friends. Yeah. And I like working mm-hmm. and just having my simple life and balancing both of those. <clears throat> that's interesting, man. I mean, I, I I think that I don't I don't I don't know if I could be comfortable with that mindset. Because I feel like I'm always struggling with that. You know, I'm like if I'm gonna do something I want to do it. I mean, but I still feel like I am doing it. Yeah, you're doing it. But I just, I mean, for lack of better words, like I feel like if I'm going to do it, then I'm going to do, I guess the bottom line is like, how do you be you? Sure. And you're saying you're being you by doing it this way. Yeah. And I'm saying, I guess. It's like. I struggle with that because I think to myself, if we're doing this, then we need to be touring for 150 days out of the Mm -hmm. year, you know. I think we we have almost have like different perspectives of what it is. Exactly. And I think it doesn't really matter either way, you know. Yeah, it's the thing. It's like I'm not I'm a pretty uh I think uh, I like am a pretty selfless person, but also pretty selfish when it comes to like my projects and whatnot. But uh I just don't have this like mentality of like oh everything needs to be about me mm-hmm. so it's like you know i put my art out into the world and some people are, are really into it and that's great i play some shows and that's cool it's not a full-time thing and then i don't want it to be and it doesn't need to be a full-time thing mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. so would you be opposed to it being a full-time thing i mean if the opportunity presented itself i would probably roll with it mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, what are the odds of it being, like, oh, hey, like, Brian, like, we really like your stuff, and now you're going to tour 150 days a year for the rest of your life. I know that, you know, things are temporary. And, like, I could easily do that for a few years if it, if the opportunity, if it, if the ball rolled and it worked with that, I would roll with it. Exactly. But it's also not something that I'm, like, seeking out to do or pulling out the two strands of hair I've left over or, uh, you know, really fighting for. Well, I mean, that's an interesting point you're making because I do find that the people that are dying to do that die before they even get a chance to do it. You know what I mean? Like not literally, but just they, 
they kind of missed the boat. I think they just burned themselves out on the wrong things. You know, I think that for me, it's kind of like, what do I got to do to be happy and not be in a bad mood? You know, and it's like there's things outside, outside forces that always can fuck up your day. But like when it comes to my music and my art and doing stuff, it's like I have control over that. And if I am able to do something or if I'm doing anything that's going to make me like not happy, Mm -hmm. then I need to stop doing that Mm -hmm. and just focus on what I am happy with doing. You know, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to like stress myself out over like a song that I'm working on with self-recording, you know, kind of looping this conversation all the way back around. You know, I need to be in the mood to record. Mm -hmm. And if I don't feel like recording a new song for like a month or two months, then I won't. And I'm not going to beat myself up over it. That's interesting, man, because that's, that's something that I, I, uh, I I see that in a few people that I'm really close with that same kind of thing. And, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not personally that way at all because I will beat myself up. I will see that I'm failing and I look at it as like a personal challenge. And even if I never succeed, I'm just sitting there like hitting my head against it, just being like, do it, do it, do it. Do yeah. It. I, I, it, that, I feel like it takes a discipline to be mature enough to be that honest with yourself. Or honestly, I think that I kind of catch myself getting into those, into the mindset similar to you when I don't have as much going on. Like right now, it's I'm kind of in a situation where it's like, oh, I don't feel like working on this hip hop stuff. I won't. But it's not like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Nothing. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, well, you know, I do have to work on some stuff for the metal band or Mm -hmm. I do have a podcast to edit Mm -hmm. or I do have to work on this fucking LP sleeve for some get hip shit Mm -hmm. or, you know, so there's always other things to kind of pick up that always pending projects, something for me to work on. That's good. So I think that kind of helps keep me balanced. That's great. Yeah. But it's also. It's a privilege to have that many projects going on. It's it's like a, a blessing and a curse. Yeah, I guess you could say. Um, so I I find myself thinking a lot about how you know if you want something to work, if you want to do it, you know you have to give it as as close to as one hundred percent as possible as you, you humanly can. Mm-hmm. But you know if you're somebody like me and you're doing multiple things at once, you're one hundred percent as a human gets divided up amongst all of those things. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I have 10 things on my plate. I can only give each of these things 10% at most if I'm expecting to get all of them done. Mm-hmm. So I do things 10 times as slow. Right. And like that can really get to me sometimes. Yeah. If, you know, I'm trying to juggle too much. I feel like that's why I want if, – if there's any reason that I want success, it's for that. Because the whole thing where we took four years to record a record – is disgusting to me. Every time I've ever met anyone who said that they've taken that long to do something, I'm like, oh, man, that's because you guys don't have a focus. That's because you guys probably can't write songs. And I'm real judgmental like that. You know? <laughs> no, I feel you. And and I'm like, you guys just got to get in there and do it, you know. Um, but, you know, here I am in that seat, and I'm like, am I that sucker? You know? But it's because of that whole thing where – you have to work 40 hours a week. You have to, you know, have these other things to take care of other things. And mm-hmm. 
you know, I mean, you have to take care of yourself, which is a full-time job in some ways, you know? So, uh, with all that being said, yeah. So you get 10% of 10 things, all that. If I feel like ever there could be a point where I didn't have to work a job, you know, I'm a, I'm an iron fabricator. If I was, if, there, if ever there was a time I didn't have to do that and I could make music in my time, I could get up at seven and play the piano. Yeah. I feel like, boy, that would be a blast. You know, because then I could really hone in and really be expressive rather than like three nights a week for a couple hours. Yeah, yeah. You know? I actually like I, I pulled back my hours. It it get hip. I'm only working four days a week now because I want more time to do my shit, mm-hmm. you know, and there are times when like certain people in my life might know that I have a day off mm-hmm. and they might have a day off as well. And they might want to spend that day with me because we have some sort of a thing together. <laughs> And I have to explain, like, hey, you know, like, I'm taking this time off of work to still work right. on my stuff. Right. So, like, if I take a day off work and then I just, like, fart around or do nothing or if I sleep in, mm-hmm. then I'm beating myself up. Yeah. it's like I'm taking this time off yeah. to be productive. Right. And if I'm not productive, I want to put my face through a fucking wall. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> That was sort of what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, God, I'm just going to beat myself up if I can't figure this out. You know, and it's as simple as like a chord progression. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not like it's actual work. It's just sitting down and doing it. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, you know, especially with art, like you need to, I think. Take a walk. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that actually really helps me because uh, with all the different projects, like I shot a video, a music video in April and uh, got all my friends shot it. And uh, he was going to edit it, but then he was too busy and stuff. And I was getting ready to leave for tour. And I was like, I'm going to be on tour for a few weeks. You know, just give me the footage. I can edit this shit while I'm in the van or hanging out before a show. Just kill time and Mm -hmm. I'll just bang it out. You Mm -hmm. know, don't worry about it. I got all the footage and it just like wasn't – it was – it wasn't – I couldn't figure it out. The original ideas that I had for the video just weren't going to work out. Mm-hmm. So I had to figure out something else. Yeah. I ended up not working on it. I ended up not opening up that f- that video at all until a few weeks ago, oh, like yeah. almost five months later. Yeah. I opened it up and I was looking through everything and I was like, oh, duh. And yeah. then I just like put it together. Right. I was able to like look at all the pieces that I had mm-hmm. being completely disconnected from the original idea mm-hmm. and being like, there's still a video here. Yeah. It's just like, get rid of this unnecessary bullshit that we shot and change the, the sequence of events a little bit. And then it turned out fine. Yeah. So taking a break, I think is really beneficial at totally. times. Yeah. But if you have nothing to distract yourself from that break, it could be problematic. Yeah, Totally. Yeah, and I'm almost jealous of some people who are like, oh, yeah, no, I love skateboarding. I'm like, well, shit, I weigh 235 pounds. I can't <laughs> skateboard at 27. Like, it's not, it's like out there. I'm sure there's There's success or... stories out there, I'm sure. Yeah. But I don't even, okay, bottom line, I don't like skateboarding. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's fun to watch people, like, really get into something else. You know, people who you're close with, who you're working with on a particular project. And then they're just like, okay, we're not going to do this, so I'm just going to go do this for a minute. You know, and then they come back and they're like, all right. No, you know, that's nice. I feel like that's the telltale sign of like a healthy person who's able to really express themselves when they're not just like this linear one track thing, you know, but also disciplined enough to do more than one thing. Mm-hmm. You know? it's, it's, I don't know. 
Is there anything that you've ever like wanted to do or had an interest in that you maybe just never pursued? Um, probably reading more. Yeah, I could agree with that. Yeah, I I have a I think that goes back to uh, me having a hard time with relaxing. Yeah, I have a hard enough time sitting down to watch a show. Like right. you know, uh, I've never watched an episode of Game of Thrones mm-hmm. or Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. There's so many movies that I haven't kept up with, and like I have a whole living room full of movies. I used to love movies, mm-hmm. but now it's so hard for me to sit down because like all i'm thinking about is what else could i be doing what else should i be doing and like reading is like a whole nother level because you gotta like really lock in yeah and you know i can't i cannot focus yeah i just can't do it yeah man it's 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 terrible you know especially when you have like a collection of books and you're like well i read like the first 10 pages of all these books you know (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah, it's something that's that's kind of scary about how we have attention spans that are like two seconds. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, that's getting really bad thanks to the modern social media. Yeah, and that's bad for us as like enriching our minds, and it's also bad for us as artists in our language and our ability to express ourselves. I mean, it's like this simple concept: when we cuss, we're not actually expressing ourselves; we're taking a shortcut, you know, and it's like. What about the actual realization of your emotions and the expression of them? It doesn't need to be complicated, but like to say like, I'm confused about this or like, fuck, you know, two things, two different meanings. But the one, if you're able to actually express yourself, if you have that patience, then you're actually in tune with yourself, you know, and um, just little things like that, you know, I think, I think about, you know, Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny was I'm actually like really fascinated about the history of swear words and uh, where they came from, who decided what was a bad word, etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, like fag is a cigarette, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, an ex of mine uh, who we're on great terms. She's awesome. But uh, she bought me a book all about that stuff. And I and as interested as I w- was in that topic, I can never pick up that book to read it just because oh, I yeah. couldn't focus in. Right. Even on something that I am like completely fascinated with, mm-hmm. I could not lock in to like really read through. It's that like book. way more interesting to watch a commentary video about it. Sure, <laughs> sure. I don't know. Yes, yeah. mm. but yeah, I don't know. I feel like we could probably wrap up. We whew, this we made some good timing on this one. Good. Yeah. Is there uh, anything that you want to say to the people who might still be listening oh, that man. are probably just like your close friends that already know things <laughs> about you? Well, I just want to say thanks for taking the time to hang out if you have that long of attention span. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, thanks so much for being a friend of mine. Thanks so much for listening to the music. Thanks so much for supporting us. And thanks so much for supporting brian and what he's doing here today um troy hill rules yeah troy hill stand up <laughs> this is it's like you're my first guest that has lived in the same neighborhood I could as have me. walked here yeah <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but awesome. i drove because my attention spins too short <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for coming over yeah, and doing man. this and we are done right Sweet. now 
And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. David's a really awesome, awesome dude. Super glad I got to meet him. His band is tight. And yeah, be sure to check out those links in the description. Get familiar. There's a lot of cool stuff happening in Pittsburgh. And I... ah, I guess that's kind of what this whole podcast is about for the most part, right? Just trying to put myself out there and meet new people and talk about what all the other cool people are doing. And yeah, I hope that hope that some of you motherfuckers are taking some goddamn notes from all this stuff. A hundred and something episodes. I hope you learned something. Ah! Sorry about the rant. I'll be back again sooner than later with another new episode same time same place same channel you know the drill my name is sykes start the beat 2016 Woo! Woo! thanks for listening